Franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Welcome to episode 40 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, and this is my colleague, Sarah Wasco. We created this podcast to bring you education and information about business ownership and all things franchising. Today, our guest is a franchise attorney. Carlos White is with us. So Carlos, if you would take a minute to say hello and um, tell us who you work with, and we'll jump into some questions. All right. Thanks so much, Roxanne and Sarah. Glad to be here. Um, apologize to the audience first because I'm from Louisiana, so you might hear that Louisiana twain. But in any event, I love being in Texas. Now I'm based in Texas. I'm a franchise attorney, I'm partnered with Lathrop GPM. They're one of the, um, they were voted a global franchise law firm of the year last year or so. So been there for about two years, but been practicing franchise law for about 18 years and really enjoyed the practice and um, glad to have the opportunity to um, connect with you all on this program. Yes, we're excited to have you. So um, because we all love talking about legalese, right? <laughs> it's fun. Uh, so I know you didn't just fall into, you know, I always joke and say you didn't go to school to become a franchise right. attorney, right? So kind of tell us how you fell into the franchise industry, and then we'll jump into some other questions about why a franchise attorney is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I must admit, <laughs> beginning my career, or legal career, franchising was not on the radar. I was more of a corporate um, M&A attorney. So basically what I did was uh, assist companies when they get ready to sell their mm -hmm. businesses or getting ready to buy businesses and helping them with the requisite documentation structure and things along those lines. But really never got the opportunity to learn about the inner workings with respect to the operations or how the CEO or the founder was able, how she was able to grow that company to grow and scale. And that was always an interest of me. And actually, I got a call from a recruiter from a major law firm um, that said, hey, would you like to be a franchise associate? And I was like, absolutely. You know, because I always heard about franchise. And of course, when you think about franchise, the first thing you think about is the golden, golden, golden arch. arches. Golden yeah. arches, yeah. Or if you're watching the Coming to America McDowell's. Yeah, but it was a you know, great experience where you get an opportunity. It's like, wait a minute, I get an opportunity actually to work with entrepreneurs, I mean, of all kinds, right? You can have large franchisors as well as small franchisors, help them grow and scale their businesses and um, develop the, you know, the legal documentation. Also help with the operation, have more um, touch points with respect to that. And then it's like, wow, these businesses sell for a lot of money. And they sell yeah, for a lot of yeah. money often, whether they're from the franchisor or from the franchisee's perspective. But of course, with that, it's no such thing as a free lunch. You got to work hard. Got to make sure you have the right concept that fits your um, personality, your skill sets in order to grow. And you have to have the right team. So, yeah, there's a lot of things in place there or at play. So, you know, we didn't talk about this when we uh, chatted on the phone to get ready for this, but I think it's important to mention um, that you're part of a big initiative here locally working with the mayor of Dallas. So 
Why don't you tell us about that initiative and then we'll jump into our questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited, very passionate. Um, actually, I was appointed by the mayor, Eric Johnson of Dallas, to be the franchise impact ambassador. And two of the, the main objectives of that particular um, in, initiative is, A, we wanted to kind of highlight the fact that Dallas, we feel, is the global hub of franchise. So you have your, your series of Roxanne has got a lot of franchise consultants. We have franchisors. We've got a lot of franchisees, diverse franchisees, things yeah. of that nature. So we wanted to make sure to highlight that similar to the way that North California highlights Silicon Valley, because this is where it's at with respect to franchising. And the second piece of giving the, the the demographics, the change of demographics of America, in order to really grow in scale, you have to take into account more racial diversity, yes. right? So a lot of times there's not a, um, the racial diversity with respect to franchise concepts, as well as those buying into franchises is not there. And a lot of reason has to do with the, as you mentioned earlier, is the educational piece, right? Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is just, you know, we, we're not experts in everything, but just to the extent that we can provide, get within the ecosystem and help reduce the information deficit that yes. exists with respect respect to franchising, then we want to utilize that platform moving forward. And it's been a great opportunity, been developing a lot of relationships, have even had um, the city of West Palm Beach is interested wow. in implementing these types of program. Also have a, a relationship that we're going to mention um, in the next couple of months or so where we're going to be rolling this out throughout the U.S. and having expos for various uh, minority business enterprises that's interested in franchising. So very excited about that initiative. So stay tuned because That's we'll right. have the inside scoop. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Anything focused on educating people, business folks about franchising, I'm all about because um, we always say franchising is the most overlooked and misunderstood form of business ownership. Yeah. So grateful for you to step up and really help spread the word about franchising. Yeah, it's really easy when we have Roxanne's, we have Sarah, when we have this ecosystem in Dallas, because to your point, because when we think about entrepreneur, we we seem to think about technology companies, bio, and I've worked on them. I did Series yeah. A financing and things of that nature, but guess what? You can find retail opportunities out here at a lot lower cost and a lot more efficient that people need to be aware of, right? Because when you start dealing with, you know, more of that um, private equity type offering initially from a startup, it's a lot of other factors associated with that. It's like, look, you really need proprietary information or proprietary concept, which that's hard to come by. Whereas yes. with respect to franchising, it's like, can you develop your system and provide the products and services better? So the barrier to entry, you don't have to be an expert or a genius in order to be successful. So... <clears throat> Not super creative or a rocket scientist, right? Oh, you can't. Yeah, I mean, right. Of course, a lot of in the franchise space are. Right? Oh, yes, right. But, but for those that are not like myself, it's like, hey, I can't participate. Me either. But hey, they can be a rocket scientist and still be able to follow a system, be able to implement and make a great yes. franchisee in another industry, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So switching channels to something a little less fun. Legally. That's how I get paid. I like it. It's, it's enjoyable, right? So Sarah and I, when we meet with clients mm -hmm. and they start in our in our process, you know, one part of that process is being disclosed with the mm -hmm. franchise disclosure document. We call it the FDD for short. Um, and before someone moves forward and buys a franchise, we always recommend that they see somebody like you, specifically a franchise attorney that understands this industry to review that document with them and also the franchise agreement that they're gonna potentially be signing. So when we send a client to you and that client meets with you, what are the top things that you feel 
that you need to make sure that client's aware of? Yeah, I think the first thing is actually who help identify are they working with a franchise consultant? Because <laughs> that will be helpful with respect to getting a feel for why they identified that concept and what their goals are. That will help save the franchisee or that prospect a lot of money on the front end yes. to work with the consultant to develop that as opposed to coming to me, which I have a lot of experience. But, I mean, it's historical. It doesn't relate to them specifically, but historical, but you have to pay for that, right? So I think it's very important to work with folks, consultants that are credible in the field, like your service, like your Roxanne. And then from there, I can start asking them, you know, questions with respect. Okay, you identified this particular concept. You know, what are your goals? You know, how do you want to, is this something that you're only trying to buy one? Do you want three, right? Are you trying to also buy into other concepts as well? Or, you know, are you just you know, just really looking at this particular concept? Do you have other partners involved and things along those lines? Because those kind of questions really help me get to really the three buckets. First, with respect to the thing I want to do is protect your revenue stream, right? Mm -hmm. In order to protect the revenue stream, we need to make sure that you comply with the franchise agreement because if they terminate, that's your, that's your revenue stream. Right. Yeah. Also, to reduce any personal liability, if possible, you may be forced to find, sign a personal guarantee with certain entities, but not with others. So it's important to have that, that that agreement, operating agreement in place to help uh, protect you against those particular interests so that you can basically try to mitigate as much as you can your personal um, responsibilities as a franchisee. And, and the third thing is being able to scale because the thing about, uh, it goes back to getting a feel for what are your goals? Because if you're looking to buy one unit, which is perfectly fine, but you're not really going to build typically wealth, you know, just with, with one, one right. unit. What you have to, I need to understand, it's like, what, what, how do you see yourself in three to five years? And most people want to scale and grow because I think even the pandemic has, has shown that it's like, if you just operate in one location, or have, that's, that's risky. So how do we structure your deal to grow and scale? My job is to be a skeptic but not a deal killer. So that's basically what I try to convey to my um, prospects when they come to see me. So, so they come and see you and they answer these questions and help you understand what they're seeking to accomplish. And then your role is to review that document mm -hmm. and that contract and come back to them. I know you said your role is to be a skeptic, but not a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. And one, will the franchisor negotiate anything that you might find um, within the document that you find concerning? And I know... Not all franchisors are created equal, right. so we can't <laughs> speak for everyone, but in general. Right. And then, um, you know, the next question is, how do you go about recommending that they approach the franchisor with some of their questions or concerns also? No, absolutely. I think um, first thing with respect to franchising, is, it's important to understand how is it from the franchise, the concept owners? We have to understand it because that's who grew the concept, created the concept. So we have to understand from a franchisor's perspective, they have to have uniformity and consistency, right? They can't yes. have customized agreements, customized arrangements with everybody, right. right? Unless the law requires. Now, certain states, depending on where you um, operate, you have additional laws and things of that nature. But generally speaking, this franchise offering is pretty standard and uniform. That's important. Why? Because they probably wouldn't be able to offer it to you at that price point if it wasn't standard or customized. It'd be a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the frame in which we need to look at it. The second thing is be, um, be I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's grateful, be thankful in the fact that you're dealing with a transaction in which you have transparency. Mm 
Because when I was mentioning the corporate and the M&A deal, you don't have a franchise disclosure document. Right? <laughs> so, and you based this, you, you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on some deal in 90 days without some type of disclosure document to provide some transparency with respect to the operation. Yep. So be thankful that um, from that perspective that you have a disclosure document in order to look and kind of evaluate this particular business opportunity. So once you kind of look and evaluate the business opportunity, the third thing is negotiation is always about leverage, right? And typically the franchisor is gonna have the leverage, especially if they're a large successful franchisor that has been successful. If they're a large successful franchisor that's been successful, then you really don't have no leverage with yeah. respect to negotiating. The only time where I can see where that will work with your larger, more successful franchisors is if it's a specialized deal, right, where they're looking to accomplish some other purpose other than what they aren't, um, typically do, or they're franchising internationally, which requires other things. So if they're successful, large franchisor, it's going to be a lot less negotiation unless you can develop some type of leverage, and the leverage and the is are you gonna buy a hundred of them? Right? If you buy the more you buy, then it's a possibility <laughs> that that you make and leverage. But ordinarily, that's not what most start. I mean, when people initially buy, they don't have the opportunity to buy a hundred. So it's about leverage as well as the salesperson that you're dealing with. If they have a good relationship, then you know you probe into it to see, hey, whether or not there are certain things on the corner. Um, that you can kind of negotiate with respect to a franchisor. Now, if it's a startup or emerging franchisor, I think you have more leverage, right? In the sense that they're out there trying to actively sell franchise and they want to make sure that their franchisee, the best franchise, uh, to make sure that they can sell these franchises, they might have to give up more, you know, um, willing to negotiate more in order to help you succeed because there's nothing better for a franchisor to point to successful franchisees. Um, so it just kind of depends on the size of the franchisor, but the general rule is a lot of these franchisors, um, especially if they're large and successful and have a strong item 19, they're, they're, um, be prepared for them to say no with respect to negotiating. But that doesn't end the story. <laughs> you still, yeah. again, you got want to protect their revenue stream. They're successful franchisor for a reason, right? Yeah. So what you need to do is review that document in detail, call franchisees in there, look at the item team, get item 19, talk to as many people as possible, but also you need to make sure to structure your business to make sure that it's consistent with the obligations of this franchise agreement because you don't want to lose this golden opportunity moving forward. Are you going to say something? No, go ahead. So we like to always make sure that our clients understand that franchise disclosure documents are all written in favor of the franchisor. It's mm -hmm. ju that's just how it is. And then the second thing is, is that they're not negotiable, but they can be what we just talked about. So, um, and the reason they're written in favor of the franchisor, they need to protect their brand, right? So do you kind of want to, um, expand on that a little bit, why they're so one-sided? Yeah, with respect to one-sidedness, I think one of the things we need to look at is kind of take a step back to look at it from the franchisor's perspective. In order for them to be able to offer, make that offering to most franchisees in a, in a, in a, in a manner that's affordable, it has to be geared toward what has made them successful, right? Remember, take a look at item one, look at their background, look how long they've been operating. They have invested a lot in R&D and operations to make this thing work. And once they made it work, they were able to franchise it. And then you have to also think about it from the franchisor has other stakeholders that have to be, um, that they have to account for, such as 
um, banks, right? Because if I'm loaning to a franchisor, I want to make sure they have their revenue streams in, in, in order in order for me to make that particular loan. So if they're making these various changes all the time with respect to I'm going to reduce your royalty here, I'm going to reduce your marketing fee, then that could affect their credit facility and they have to get approval and waivers and things of that nature could be more expensive. Also, with respect to the supply chain, um, a lot of times with the franchisor, the benefits are with being a franchisee is like, look, you should be able to get some support with respect to pricing, with respect to the products and services that you're offering. So the franchisor, by having it's like, look, these are my designated or approved suppliers. They are better able to negotiate better pricing with those suppliers. And of course, that better pricing transcends and basically you the beneficiary of the franchisee. So it's not some Dark Vader <laughs> type of notion. Um, that's why it's important to work with a great uh, franchise consultants to understand and make sure what's the right fit for you. Because if they don't have controls and the franchisor is like offering to negotiate everything, to me that's a major red flag. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good point. And that kind of leads me into my next question is what that being one, what are some other like red flags, some things that you've seen maybe on franchise disclosure documents that cause you to kind of make sure that franchisee is aware of that and caution a franchisee? Yeah, great point. I think one of the things, one red flag is the, is the IP. It's like the trademark, right? Make sure it's registered, right? If they don't have a registered trademark, there's a possibility that you might they may receive a cease and desist letter and you have to rebrand everything with respect oh, to signage. So okay. it's important just to make sure that they have a registered um, trademark and that will be identified in item 13. It's real easy to identify um, that. The other um, opportunity is given the feel for how much do they make from, I mean, are there a franchisor that makes most of their money from in, initial franchise fees or royalty fees, right? So taking a look at the audits to make sure that if it's initial franchise fees, which is fine, but usually that's not the profit center. That's just for training and things of that nature. Usually be royalties you want them right. to be able to collect. So that means the franchisees are doing well. Also, looking at terminations, how often have they terminated yeah. franchise? You know, that's important to know because, again, if you're putting that type of money on the line and you have a personal guarantee, you want to make sure that's like, hey, are they terminating often or not? So I think those are some of the most important things that you really need to view. If it's like, hey, if, if those are like the top three things, I think initially um, that you should be mindful of um, in connection with um, looking at, you know, these a franchise opportunity. There's others, you know, is I can go for days, but yet still, I, I wouldn't make any money if I tell you all now, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I think another, and I'm assuming this is something you look at, but how many are sold and not open can be uh, another that's right. potential red flag. Yeah, so, again, building up, selling, selling, selling without uh -huh. any substance behind it. And yeah, they're that's, not, they're having a hard time getting those locations open. Open, right. Mm -hmm. Getting a feel for, um, the, with respect to the item 19, if they do disclose the item 19, even though, which is good, um, but a lot of times be mindful of the fact it's not an apples to apples comparison, right? The, the, the disclosure that they're providing for or for franchisees that are already existing and operating. It's not for startup franchisees. So it'd be mm -hmm. important right. to touch base with the franchisor to say, hey, are there any first year franchisees mm -hmm. that I can talk to to get a feel for? Because that would be important. Because, I mean, as a business person, we have to understand it's like you're going to have some cost initially up there. Yeah. You know, it's going to take some build out time sure. to, to, to make it work. But you just need to be mindful of that and not... Um, be upset if it if you think it's like, oh, as soon as I open the, the lights turn on, then I'm just going to automatically be profitable. That just might not be the case. So just be mindful of those types of issues. Yeah, we try to 
make sure our clients do understand there is a time ramp up time. You're not just going to open your door and all of a sudden make be paying yourself a six figure salary. Right. 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 And I think that's what makes us so important that that we have your right sense and Sarah is to right size the to, to right size what the opportunity is because franchising I mean it's nothing's perfect right it's a great model but it's not perfect right so having those right. type of people with that type of experience to kind of identify so you can find the right fit for you because we talked about the legal related issues but if this is the right fit for you and you're going to be successful the franchisor they're going to take your information they're going to put it in this uh, in their electronic files and that and they don't they don't even want to open up the franchise agreement right right they want you to be successful it's like look this is a formality let's move forward right um but if not then that's where the problem comes if you're not successful uh, because you also have to be my i must admit be mindful of a lot of franchisors you know they 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 get bought and sold a lot of times with private equity companies and things of that nature so the um so it's be successful as you as you can of course because it's always important because you could have a new a new franchise representative things along those lines and you just want to reduce any headaches associated with it but once you sign the franchise agreement they can't terminate unless you're doing something wrong so well i love what you said about really not wanting to have to reference that agreement and that's what we counsel our clients Mm -hmm. on too is ultimately you don't want to be going back Mm -hmm. to that agreement every week or every month or whatever and checking everything once you get past this and come to an agreement, it should go in a drawer and you never right. pull it out again. I mean, I don't ever look at mine. Right. Um, so in, until there's a question yeah. or a problem. Absolutely. So. Well, and it's funny that you say that because we get random calls sometimes from current franchise owners that want help selling their franchise. And and I always point them back to the franchisor first right. because they need to understand that you're going to be selling because they have to approve who you sell to. But a lot of times when there's dust on that agreement that's been in the drawer for five or 10 years, you forget that there may be some fees involved in transferring. And so you got, you do have to pull it back out. And it's, there are a lot of people that it, that's exactly the case. They, it's just a document that they signed to get into business. Mm-hmm. They've done very well and they haven't looked at it for years. So, yeah. yeah and that being said too, um, you mentioned most agreements are not negotiable. So some people will say to us, well, if nothing's negotiable, why do I need to have an attorney review it? Yeah, that's always a good point. I think with respect to the attorney um, review, um, it's always important from a compliance standpoint because um, Roxanne brought up a good point. Suppose I bring in a new um, owner, right? You just can't do that in a franchise situation. you got to notify the franchisor. That's a technique in compliance. So the attorney will be able to identify these various issues to keep you away from getting your, your agreement terminated so you can yeah. build in the systems early you need to build these systems early, right? Your reporting requirements. How do you go about transferring? You know, do you have an operating agreement with your other partners? Because that may have an effect on this. How does this affect any loan agreements? That's why you need the attorney to review so that can put together the right checklist and the right structure so that you can be successful with this non-negotiable franchise agreement. Well, and even though it's not negotiable, I think it's really important to understand exactly what you're signing up for Yeah. with no surprises, right? And yes. even though some of us may or may not have read contracts in our career, um, <laughs> I am not a paperwork person. I know neither we are, are No. So, and even being a franchise consultant, when we bought our franchise, I had a franchise attorney review our agreement because mm-hmm. 
that's not my that's not my lane. Right. So, but, and I wanted to be, and we were with a new concept. So I wanted to make sure that we understood exactly what we're signing up for. Right, right. Like, um, and then it's dynamic, right? Because it's a 10, sometimes 10 year agreements. Um, you might not be negotiate, able to negotiate in year when you first sign it, but if you prove up something to the franchise or with a second franchise agreement, <laughs> there could be some concessions made, but you yeah. got to, you, you, you have to prove it up, right, from the franchisor. Yeah. Because their system is on the line and they want to make sure a good franchise or that that is protected and they're bringing in the right people to help grow and, and scale that and scale that system. And, um, you know, and it has to be uniform <laughs> and it has to right. be consistent. So um, you just have to be mindful of that. Again, it's, it's, you know, some things that they might can negotiate it outside. I mean, a lot of large franchisors, they're just not going to negotiate. Yes, right? right. But emerging, there could be some opportunities there. Or, you know, to the extent you have someone that you're dealing with that has more, um, um, you know, authority within the organization internally that may see this, then there could be an opportunity to, to touch base with them. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, do you believe in this brand? Do you yes. think you'll be so successful? If you can be successful, let's structure this so that you can maintain that revenue stream that comes along with it. And to Roxanne's point, if there are items that are deal breakers for you, right. You want to know that up front. Up front, so you can make the tape. This might not be for me. This might not be for me, <laughs> rather than signing it and then finding out later, oh, I really didn't agree with that and didn't want to sign that. Right. And she said, made a comment that I really just want to emphasize is that when uh, she and her husband bought their franchise, they hired a franchise attorney. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes hear from clients that they have a family member or a friend who's an attorney but attorneys are very much like physicians right. where they have their very um, precise, unique area of expertise. Right. And you're not going to go to a dentist when your foot hurts. <laughs> and so... <laughs> um, or, or an orthopedic surgeon for right. your brain surgery. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I had an attorney a couple of years ago that was my client, an attorney. And he said, I don't read these documents. I need to hire a franchise attorney. Yeah. Because they are familiar with what these look like and know when something is unique. As right. some of those things, mm -hmm. those red flags that you pointed out, he said, I wouldn't know any of that. Even though I'm a, an attorney, that's franchising is not my area of expertise. So we really stress franchise attorneys um, for all the things that we just discussed and the value of knowing what you're getting into, even if it's not negotiable. Yeah, I love the analogy about being the position. I mean, it's just like on a if you're a football fan, it's like the quarterback and offensive line is not the same. On the offensive line, <laughs> I'm trying to protect you moving exactly. forward. So you need to know it's you're like when I create line. medical spas, it's like things of that nature. You need healthcare. I'm not a healthcare attorney to have colleagues. You need specialists, right? Yeah. Um, to assist with that because I probably drafted probably in my career over a hundred franchise disclosure documents. So I got a feel for where the nuance, where to look for and things along those lines. And that's the type of experience that you need, especially when you put in that type of um, capital on the line. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been a wealth of information. Carlos, if somebody wants to get a hold of you um, to maybe they already own a business and they want to franchise that, you mentioned that you've written franchise disclosure documents, or maybe they just need some advice. What would be the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. I can be reached best by email. Um, I'll say it slow so that hopefully they can catch it. It's uh, at carlos.white at lathropgpm.com. That's C A R. L O S dot W H I T E at 
L-A-T-H-R-O-P-G-P-M.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us today. Again, I am Sarah Wasco, uh, joined by my colleague Roxanne Rapsky. Uh, Our last names are W-A-S-K-O-W and R-A-P-S-K-E. And I'm spelling those because we're very active on LinkedIn. So please find us on LinkedIn, reach out, follow us. Um, We offer a wealth of information daily on the franchise industry and things going on here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You can also find our podcast on our YouTube channel, which is FranNet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma, and also anywhere you might download your podcast. So thank you very much for joining us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.